You've heard the headlines. Get some perspective now with Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. Good morning and a happy Friday. Congratulations. You made it to the end of the week. Hey, we're going to kick the show off with uh, kind of it's an overall too soon. And when is it too soon to talk about Kobe Bryant? The lead. Yeah, a former Valley principal in some hot water. Liza Sacorda wrote on Facebook after the death of Kobe Bryant that, quote, not going to lie. Seems to me that karma caught up with a rapist today. Wow. She's now a principal in the state of Washington. She deleted that post, wrote another message saying, you're free to judge me for the post, just as I'm free to judge the person the post was about. She has since been put on leave. Okay. All right. Now, I do think there is some backstory and there is some context. I'm not going to say it justifies what she posted, but I think I can understand it. From what we can glean, Pamela, in reading into it, she may herself be a survivor of sexual assault in some way, shape, or form. And so I can acknowledge that she would see Kobe Bryant with the credible rape allegation against him and that whole thing. She could see him through a completely different lens than your average basketball fan. Yeah. Right? Uh, yeah, sure. I get it. She, she made a comment on her private social media account, and she said that it was a personal, visceral reaction. Okay. And, and, and that's where you might be able, as you put it, to glean that she may have be a survivor of some sort. Mm-hmm. And she said she wanted to apologize for je- suggesting that a person's death is deserved. It was inappropriate and tasteless. Further, I apologize for the disrupt- disruption it has caused our learning environment today. Okay. This is a woman, um, Liza Sajgorka, Sijgor- I can't even pronounce it. It's a weird pronunciation. She worked here in the Valley for okay. a period of time. I believe she worked at the Higley Unified School District. She worked in the Chandler Unified School District, and she worked in the Scottsdale Unified School District. She had since uh, you know, left Arizona and headed up to the Pacific Northwest, and that is where this post came from. Yeah, And it's gotten a lot of heat. I mean, a ton of heat. I mean, at first, the superintendent uh, was going to give her an opportunity to make amends with the community that she hurt. But I think that the media backlash has been so grand that she was put on leave. And Mm. there were a couple of things here. One, if, in fact, she is a survivor, she's entitled to her own opinion. And who am I to tell her what she should believe and what she shouldn't? I get that. The, The exception that I take is you are an educator. And you are constantly reminding your own team of teachers and people who are under you as far as employment is concerned, as well as your high school students, not to post stupid things online, controversial things online. They can come back to haunt you. I'm sure she has suspended educators for something. I'm sure she has maybe disciplined students students in detention for Mm -hmm. putting something online. And yet she did this. Her defense is it was a personal page that, that this was is not that a good defense that it wasn't public okay and that um you yeah know, i don't think that well, let me throw this in here we had this scandal here with phoenix police of racist inappropriate violent posts made on social media with one of the arguments being well this was my private page even though i'm a police officer i wasn't publishing this to everyone yeah 
But you obviously have some friends who may not be as good of friends as you think. Well, I mean, that's possibly that- what that's that's possibly what it is. Yeah, that somebody may have outed her in some way or another. I mean, like when we talk about friends online, oh, we're friends on Facebook. Are yeah. you really? Do you really know that person no. and what their intention no. is? Possibly not. But yeah, I've seen this story make the headlines all across the country, and there is a most definitely a local tie here. I'm sure there are people listening right now who, uh, you know, she may have been their teacher in Chandler or an assistant principal in Higley or Scottsdale with, with their children. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, it, it's it gets back to something we talked about pretty quickly in the wake of the Kobe Bryant death, and that is... Can you talk about his rape accusation? We had, what was it, the Washington Post, mm-hmm. who uh, oh, put reporter. a reporter on leave for just not even giving any commentary, but just retweeting a story yeah. about that, that part that of his story. life. That whole... She had since been reinstated because right. I think they saw the error of their ways. But I th- mean, it is history. It did happen. But but there are still some consequences for people talking about it. Not only this principle, which she's not just talking about it. I mean, she's pretty much saying, you know, karma, like he died because of it. Well, because so that, the, the problem with that is there were eight other people yeah, on board the helicopter. Did yes. they deserve to die because of Kobe Bryant's Correct. Uh, mistake, crime, whatever you want to refer to it as? But she's hardly the only one. And you see a lot of people getting caught up in this. One of them being uh, Gail King. CBS This Morning host who was interviewing uh, former WNBA player Lisa Leslie, a great, about the legacy of Kobe Bryant, who she was friends with. And she brought up this rape charge, the 2003 rape charge. Um, If you don't remember the details, the case was eventually dropped. The accuser declined to testify. And there was some sort of out-of-court settlement made, which made a lot of people feel uncomfortable like a rich guy paid off the accuser. It's been said that his legacy is complicated because of sexual assault charge, which was dismissed in 2003, 2004. Is it complicated for you as a woman, as a WNBA player? It's not complicated for me at all. Even if there's a few times that we've been at a club at the same time, Kobe's not the kind of guy, never been like, you know, please go get that girl or tell her or send her this. I have other NBA friends that are like that. Mm-hmm. Kobe's, he, he was never like that. Okay, so she's trying to get to the character of Kobe Bryant by asking a close friend. Is it even a fair question to talk about it, considering he's no longer with us and that it was resolved? Or is it really part of his history? I think that the media should be more respectful um, at this time. You know, I, I don't have any problem whatsoever with what Kale King did. It did not appear to be out of line to me. But the clip that CBS released took it a bit out of context and with that massive backlash i mean you even had snoop dog threaten to no. come after her yes snoop weighed in you know and he weighed in and and gail king even weighed in she was ticked off to say the least she claims that the the clip that was released by cbs was taken out of context i know that if i had only seen the clip that you saw i'd be extremely angry with me too i am mortified I'm embarrassed, and I am very angry. Uh, Unbeknownst to me, my network put up a clip from a very wide-ranging interview um, 
totally taken out of context. And when you see it that way, it's very jarring. So, but- so her point is that the clip that surfaced made it seem like the interview with Lisa Leslie was about Kobe Bryant's rape allegations when she's saying it was a long interview and this was a small part of the interview somewhere in the middle. But again, listen, correct. Right. They, they talked about a variety of different things, about, things. about the court case. Um, and, and, and Lisa Leslie said, you know, I don't believe this is who Kobe was. And Gail was just asking questions. She wasn't offering opinion. No. She was asking questions to the quote unquote expert, which would the be friend. Lisa Leslie, who is an expert on being a friend of Kobe Bryant yeah. to get that perspective. That is what you do as a journalist. And let, let me once again play the question that she asked and I see nothing but a fair question here is it even a fair question to talk about it considering he's no longer with us and that it was resolved or is it really part of his history I think that the media should be more respectful um, at this time and and I have no problem I, with I, the I have, answer I have a problem with this the media listen there are plenty of people out there have nothing to do with media who have brought this up. I've seen the posts on Facebook, like you probably have, of people it's that are... It's low-hanging fruit, and that's I'll, where everybody goes. Yeah, and and I'll, I'll, I'll grant you, it wasn't my natural inclination, which was a rapist died in a helicopter no. crash. That wasn't where I went no. with it. But I understand, again, how some people... It is part of his story, and I would tell you this. You know, we talk... My, the thing that I go to is, in a bit of a different thing, was like the outrage around Tiger Woods. That that people couldn't they couldn't jibe. Wow, potentially one of the greatest golfers of all time might also cheat on his wife and and be a bad guy. Like you know what I'm saying? Like how can those two things exist? But they can. But I and I take it in an entirely different way. This was a part of Kobe Bryant's story, and I think his life changed dramatically after that. Yeah. If you look how he acted, yeah. if you looked how he behaved, if you looked at the man he became after this, he became a better person. He learned from it. The trials and tribulations and the mistakes that we make in our past make me who make us, make me who we are today. I look back at some of like the darkest times in my life and I'm thankful for them because without them I wouldn't be who I am today. And I think that's what Kobe Bryant did. It's part of his story. Would he wish it didn't happen? Potentially, but he made the most of it. He bounced back from it and he became stronger from it. That's part of the story. Look around your office right now. Think about the people you work with. Do you want your company to publish everyone's salaries? Should everybody in the company know what everyone else makes? One company did it. We'll tell you about the outcome. Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. It's interesting. It is quite a um, an experiment. A company published every employee's salary online. You could go and look up what everybody else around you is making, and conversely, they could see what you're making. Is this a good idea? This company, its name is Buffer, and it's an online company that helps people manage like social media accounts. Right. A few years ago, they decided to go this route. They've got about, let's call it 90 employees, 
And they started publishing every employee's salary online in an effort to ensure fairness and include, you know, like gender parity. So you could see that there isn't that gender inequality when it comes to the wage gap, so to speak. Nationally, if you're taking a look at it, women in the workplace still on average earn just 82 cents for every dollar guys earn. And so what they were trying to do is put this out there, have some transparency and see if they can close the gap. Anybody with a Google connection. So if you are listening to us at work right now or yeah. at home or you know, you can Google and you can find out what the employees at Buffer make yeah. their first name, their position <laughs> and the city that they live in, Got because it. the city that they live in also has an impact as to how much they make San Francisco oh, versus sure. Austin, so yeah, to speak. Yeah. OK, Nashville and um what what I was surprised to find out is in the first year that they were documenting the gender pay gap, okay, the difference between the two was about three and a half percent. Okay. That is awesome. When you look at it from like a, a private industry, gender gap can be close to 30 percent. In the federal government, it, it's fallen. They've taken, you know, they've taken care of this and worked on this over the years. It's down to 13%. So they're already at 3.5%. People are noticing. I know that we just got the job numbers out this morning, right? And and uh, last month was a really strong uh, economic number with more jobs created than we thought was going to be. And that the unemployment rate, I mean, it, when I say it ticked up a little bit, very, very little. It's still super duper low. So you have an Employers out there who are trying to be competitive, offering all these bennies to get people to come to their their office and to work for them. The talent pool is shrinking. And what Buffer found is that in the month after salaries went up, became public, they more than doubled the number of applications that they had received in the 30 days prior. Okay. So what I see is careful what you wish for. So uh, there's a few things in in all of your statements. First off, the gender pay gap has a lot more to do than just oppressing women in any way, shape, or form. But that's so a part of it. I, I you know, I, there are many things that go into it, and some of them are uh, sure. Some of them might be. Uh, piggy male uh, uh, bosses not paying women as much. Others are complete, uh, completely other things that are decisions people make. Secondly, all women make, if, all men make. I no, mean, it's out there. But dude. some women make more than some men. So is that a problem? But we're talking on average here. Okay. okay so okay. you can't ignore that. And there are reasons on average. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that you don't want to talk about, but okay. Women take time off to have babies. Yeah. Yeah, because you it. can't. So we're penalized for that? It's not a penalty. It's a it is a penalty. You decision you it make. Is not a, Who forced you to but, have babies? Okay, you know what? Go down to Alabama. They're forcing women to have babies all the time yeah. by limiting the amount of abortions that have they can get in there. I, I, I don't understand where it's private industry's job to uh, uh, subsidize families. So wow. That's a different thing. Okay. I don't think that's the job of uh, private industry. Sure. Um, it's the women's job. But when they publish the... Salaries. They said they got a lot more because they're pretty solid. I mean, there's some six-figure numbers in here. They got a lot more applications. Does that mean that there are people out there they're going to find that are willing to do the job possibly better for less? Careful what you wish for. No, they they have uh, like a set rate kind of thing, and there there isn't a bonus structure. You can increase X amount every year, I guess it is. They actually have like a formula and a structure for this. And what the research is suggesting is this transparency. The transparency of putting salaries out there actually boosts 
productivity. And they say that people are more productive, feeling as though that they need to, you know, light a fire under themselves to make sure that they're worth what, in fact, that they're earning. Well, the Where flip this side being there's to, somebody breathing down your neck. But the flip side to it as well as if you if you find out that people around you are earning more, um, then do you really light that fire underneath you or do you feel like you're not getting paid what you're worth? I'm fine I, with it publishing it, but my rule would be the first person that comes into the office and demands more money. You're gone. <laughs> I have no that's, problem that's publishing dumb. it. That, that's no dumb. problem publishing that's, it. That's We're dumb. not going to use it as a negotiated point. You can well, find that's out. That's why you put it out there, yeah. because it levels the playing field. Your thoughts on this. Would you be down for your company, your business, publishing everyone's salary? I would be. What say you? No 602-200-2733. I find that interesting. The girl's down for it. The guy isn't. I find 602-200-2733. Open mic line brought to you by the Carol Royce team. Your home sold guarantee or Carol buy it herself. Go to carolhasthebuyers.com. I find it interesting. You think everybody is worth the same amount, which I do. I disagree with vehemently. We have to talk about politics. It's kind of part of the gig. But should you and your coworkers be talking about it? And how are you dealing with that at work? We'll dig into that next on Arizona. Arizona's news station. Arizona's news station. KTAR News on 92.3 FM. Get some perspective. Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. It's been, a, it's been a heck of a week. Let's just go with the last week. We've had uh, a State of the Union address was in there. We had an impeachment vote. You had Iowa caucus, right? You had... Whatever that thing was yesterday, the uh, airing of grievances, a hell of a lot of politics going on right now where it may be very difficult to avoid, even at work. Now, full disclosure, our work, it's not only impossible to avoid. It it's is, a requirement. It, I was going to say yeah. it is frowned upon. Yeah. Uh, but many of you, you know, if you work at the paper merchant, I'm assuming. I don't know, the but what? Paper merchant of oh. the office. Uh, that... Um, Politics is not a normal requirement for your job. So how do you get around people that bring it up the water cooler? Should you talk about politics and the president at the office? No. Sorry. You know what? Was that rhetorical? No. no. (laughs) 60% of people that have been surveyed by Glassdoor would agree with you. 60% say no. That means 40% You should not. (laughs) Wait a second, though. They say you should not talk politics at work, yet roughly... 60% of workers have done so. Yeah. Is it is this a do what I say? Do as I say, not as I do. Well, because when I talk talk about about it, it, it's important. But I'm right. And I'm bringing up important things. You're just jabbering on. But if I don't like what you're saying, you shouldn't shouldn't be talking about it. I'm okay if you talk about it and I agree with you. I would agree that you shouldn't talk about it at, at the office. Believe me, there are days that Bruce and I come in and we look at the the news cycle and we're like, oh, geez, seriously. Yeah. Do we have to talk about this? Yeah. Yeah. If we had a choice, oh. you guys are lucky, right? You have a choice. You don't have to talk about we these We look for things, reasons to not. Right? And so why would you? Right. But yeah, more and more people say you shouldn't talk about it at work, but yet they do. And I think part of the reason why, Bruce, like you just laid out, there, uh, the last three years, we're going on the fourth here, 
have really been unprecedented when it comes to politics. Fair. You and I have been in this business for a long time, and I've never seen um, a news cycle that has been so dominated 24 by politics. 7. Most people, it used to be their eyes would glaze over when you would start talking about what was happening on Capitol Hill or with the president, unless it was something that truly impacted them, like, oh, I don't know, the, you know, the Affordable Health Care Act, yeah, something yeah. along those lines. Everything else, though, people didn't pay much attention to. That has changed. And with it, I think there's become like a saturation point and people are just over it. So when you bring them up, they get frustrated. People can't talk, you know, normal to one another nowadays. And it just doesn't end well, especially at the office. I, I've been, uh, uh, I use the term struggling, not that difficult, with social media and the same thing, where I'm trying to figure out what my the, the Bruce algorithm is if you post, I think it's three political posts in a row. I just unfriend you. Y- you know, I'm like, well, OK, if that's all you're going to do is post stupid memes and, and fake news and crap like that. Then I just have no use for it. And by the way, I don't care where it I just if all you see Facebook is, is to try to push your conspiracy theory or cheer for your team. Then I don't have a use for you on Facebook. We're not friends because. I don't have any friends like that in the real world. But Facebook is one thing. Yeah. Right. We learned things about coworkers, about friends, about family members on Facebook that we probably didn't know. There's a good. That's the, a great point. The positions that they take and how they take those positions and what they say to people, maybe not even to you, but you read some of the comments and how they're reacting back and forth. And you're like, who are you? You're like, that's not the person that I bump into as we're fighting over cupcakes out here. It, it can really change your perspective good on point. someone. So that's kind of new as well. And so when you're talking about politics at work and should you talk and shouldn't you I am agree I agree with you you probably shouldn't because it just doesn't end well There's you have no 28% of employees who say a, a coworker has tried to persuade them to change their political Again, party and when's the last time it's like this oh that meme you posted completely changed my political views who cares 20 percent said they wouldn't want to work with someone who planned to vote for a candidate they, that they didn't like oh, God. in november so how does that work for unity and team building at the office careful though you may not even get to be in the office <laughs> you may not even have that job if you're looking for one right now and you are posting these really strong opinions politically specifically on social media yeah because that's kind of the other thing where you okay so then we'll transition from standing around the water cooler uh talking over the cubicle at your friend about can you believe insert politician here that you don't like um employers are and we know this, increasingly taking a look at your social media, maybe not just for political posts, but for a variety of other things, when they're taking a look at hiring you. You don't even have to put your links necessarily on your resume. You apply for a job, they type your name into the Google bar and see what the heck comes up. And if what comes up is uh, uh, you doing keg stands (laughs) on Tuesday afternoons, how do you not think this is going to impact you? Okay, you say cake stands on Tuesday nice. afternoons, but what <laughs> if 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 it was a a meme? I mean, hello, yeah. we, we've had a, a variety of different political stories this week. Whatever. Okay, again, if you if you saw a State of the Union speech where the president didn't shake the speaker's hand, 
Or you saw the State of the Union speech where the speaker ripped up the president's uh, speech. Right, two different speeches. If you wrote a meme about either one of those, how do you think that that serves you in getting the next job? Right. It, it, it doesn't. No. So 70% of employers say that they look at social media sites yeah. and they do that to help them evaluate potential employees. Who are we hiring? 60% of them have said that they have eliminated somebody on the basis of what they have posted, some I, sort of like negative comment or negative com- comments. And that, uh, you know, the... People don't really the way you portray yourself online. I know it's it's like you get a lot of of muscles, you know, behind a screen. Like and, the and the it, modern day version of beer goggles, right? Or uh, beer muscles, right? It's, it's it's you've got screen muscles. Yeah. you can post things online I'll that you would them. never say to somebody to their face, and you feel very comfortable doing so because if they fire back, all you got to do is type off a different missive. Well, you know that stays out there, and and that actually paints a portrait of you. And a profile of you. And when employers look at your pages and they see that, they're like, yeah, that's not the person I want working with me. I think they look at it, even all things being equal. Do you want the person who's shoving their political beliefs out there and, and, uh, and, and, and being a troll or fighting online? Probably not. Because you're worried you bring that into the workplace. Puppy pictures Uh, and their kids' pictures at school. Oh, that's not a real kitty. But I mean, like, let's ask this though, which is on a general (laughs) level. Which one do you want to be a friend with? Exactly. I've been on an unfriending tear, I gotta tell you. It's been it's been a lot of fun. It's liberating. And it totally cleans up your feed too. Absolutely. Social media becomes less hostile when you just get rid of people. I just uh I don't suffer fools gladly. People are like, why don't you just scroll by it? And I go, I don't like stupid people. I don't know. I got a problem with it. I'm biased against them. Um, this story is amazing. Think about this. A Colorado police officer who was inebriated five times the legal limit. Five. Isn't that close to death? Behind the wheel of his squad car with it running. By the way, he's still a cop. Would you be treated the same way? We'll talk about that coming up next. Arizona's news station, KTAR News on 92.3 FM. Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. I think there's two issues that we need to talk about with this story, Pamela. The first one is the facts of the story. An Aurora police officer... And we have video, by the way, so this isn't just like somebody said. Body camera. Body cam video, thank Mm you. A Aurora, Colorado police officer who was found behind the wheel of his, his squad car. Yeah, so let me paint the picture for you. You you've got this this officer who was in the middle of a street in (laughs) uniform. Yeah. In a squad car. It appears to be the middle of the day. It's is armed. Has his gun okay. with him. Yeah. So you've got a police car stopped in the middle of the road yep. in the day, yep. uniformed, gun slumped over the back of the wheel of the car. Has his foot on the brake. Police show up. Hello? I mean, what's going on here? Oh my goodness, right? officer down. Is there an issue? Right? In the body camera footage, you can hear one of the lieutenants say he's a little intoxicated. Yeah. Yeah. They, they smell alcohol. And then at that point in time, you've got firefighters that come on the scene. The EMS was not told that any of the officers smelled any alcohol. So paramedics suspected that he may have had like a, a stroke okay. or may have suffered from like fentanyl exposure. It could happen. I mean, this is an officer, uh, right? Absolutely. 
So they take every precaution. They call nine one one. They put him in an ambulance. They, they, they take him to the they take him to the hospital. When he gets to the hospital, they they take his blood. Yeah, and it shows that he was not one, no, not two, not two, not three. What five times over the legal limit in the middle of the day, in uniform, armed. In his squad car. This is the district attorney in Colorado. There is no attempt by Aurora PD to get a blood sample at any time. No request at all. So because the police department didn't take a blood sample, but the hospital did, that cannot be used because of medical privacy. So the argument is, and and when I did my ride-along, I said this, if you're suspected of being under the influence... The law says they can take your blood, just like you have to submit. If you don't, you know, you immediately have your license. So they can, uh, phlebotomists, police officers are, they can take your blood, submit it, and find out what your blood alcohol content is, just like with a breathalyzer. But because they didn't suspect, quote unquote, that he was drunk and instead thought he was having a medical issue, the blood draw... To try to find out if he was exposed to fentanyl, is it admissible? When- I think this came, we don't want to know. We don't want to get evidence that might show what we suspect. I don't think that's a cover-up, but it's a couple blocks from it. This became an ignorance is bliss moment. Yeah. I think yeah. this came, we don't want to know. We don't want to get evidence that might show what we suspect. Yeah, okay, so mm. l- let me flip this a, a, a bit here. We don't want to know. Don't want to know. We don't want to get any evidence. That may prove our suspicion. May hurt our fellow officer. Where else have we heard that? This time last week in this country, we were having a debate over whether or not the Senate was going to vote to hear witnesses. Oh, I see where you're going. Okay. To get evidence. Yeah. And a lot of Republicans. We don't want to know. Said no. Don't want to hear it. Why? Because it may be evidence to support what they are suspecting, but are too afraid to talk about. What's frustrating about this case to me is there is a double standard, whether it be in politics or whether it be in policing. It is there is a right and there is a wrong. It would be right because they smelled alcohol and they even see it in the body camera footage to do and treat this like you would anyone else. Same thing with lawmakers. In any court of law, you get witnesses. But there is a double standard for p- people in positions of power. And that's the problem. That's I, why people don't trust politicians. And that's why they're, I still trust police officers. I think that this is the exception, not the norm. But when you see more and more stories like this, it does call people's integrity and character into question. Well, and let's keep in mind, this officer is still an officer. And the Aurora Police Department could on its own say, this is not in keeping with what we the standard we want to hold police officers to. Yeah, I mean, they are, they've done an internal affairs report. There's that a could, body cam That video. could not be used by prosecutors. Right. So I'm just wondering, you know. <laughs> Five times the legal limit in the middle of the day. Stopped in the middle of the road in your squad car, armed with your foot on the brake, passed out. If that were you. You're in the hoose cow. Done. Finished. No mas. Do you go back to work at the at the job as a police officer? If, no. no, you're in jail and you're paying fines. Right. And you've lost your license. You're in Tent City, right? Yeah. The double standard. I think there there is certainly an issue with that, without a doubt. And, it, and again, like you said, it undermines the trust and the belief we have in the institutions like that. So... 
speaking of that, all but one Republican senator voted to acquit Trump. But did they do so out of fear or a fervently held belief? We'll talk about that next.